This podcast is a presentation of UCTV.TV, University of California Television. Like what you learn? Help others discover UCTV podcasts by leaving a comment or rating in iTunes. I want to tell you about Special Olympics. Special Olympics is best known for sports. Six million athletes, 198 countries and territories. It all started over 50 years ago from Eunice Kennedy Shriver's backyard and an idea that kids with intellectual disabilities should get to play just like kids without intellectual disabilities. And they should get to play with kids with, with, with and without intellectual disabilities. And it started with the athlete pledge. Let me win, but if I cannot win, let me be brave in the attempt. It was this courage that started Special Olympics And it's this courage that's the driving force behind standing up for people with ID as athletes, as winners. And it's behind the force of athletes standing up for themselves and the Special Olympics movement standing up for the inclusion of people with ID around the world. With that pledge, Special Olympics is not just a sports organization. It's a deliberate movement to use sports to address social change, to address the social determinants of health, and beyond that, to have sport be the nidus for social change. And now it's never been more important, never before have we had that call to do that during COVID. It's probably the best kept secret in health and healthcare, and one of the driving forces for inclusion, especially during COVID worldwide. So I'm excited to be able to tell you about what we're doing. From the moment of diagnosis, Special Olympics is becoming the health partner for families of children with ID, and our interventions span all the way through older adulthood. So what we do is four things. We do prevention, assessment, training, and health reform. We do prevention in ongoing fitness through our lifespan approach. And we use assessments to address early detection of of conditions, treat them early and do that care coordination, obtain that follow-up care that's needed. We train the healthcare workforce, both the current and future healthcare workforce, and we serve to transform healthcare systems, promoting inclusion. So I'll, I'll just putting these four strategies together, you get our healthy communities. And our healthy communities is actually in 117 Social Olympic states and countries. So our primary prevention work starts at the moment of diagnosis with our Healthy Start program. Healthy Start is designed to provide accurate information and support to families, families who are scared, feeling inadequate, to to the task, and they're worried. And we want to turn them into warrior parents. Our Healthy Start initiative also provides a toolkit for providers to be able to help better support parents, to use the right words, the best words, to provide the right resources and go, I know this as a provider myself, um, go from that sense of stealing yourself, that sense of dread, for that difficult conversation to that sense of sharing yourself 
feeling empathic and confident that you know the right resources and are able to guide that those families. Healthy Start is piloting in several programs this year in several states. We continue with our young athletes. And I don't know if you know about our, our early intervention program for children under eight. Yes, under eight, um, because those children with intellectual and developmental disabilities need that longer runway. Our young athletes early intervention program has over 575,000 children in 135 countries, including over 200,000 in the US. And for those children in two months in those program, in that program, they gain seven to nine months of developmental skills in all domains. It's a motor play, it's social, it's adaptive, it's across the board, and it's free to children and families, like all of our other programs. And like all of our other programs, it's unified. That means that children with and without IDD are participating side by side. It, we serve many diverse and underserved children because we partner with the Head Start program nationally, as well as the Parks and Rec Service, as well as the American Library System. So I don't know if you've been into one of the libraries where you've gotten to go to one of the, um, one of the classes that you would take on the weekends. Many of those are actually our young athletes classes as well. Obviously not right now, but now is the time that we've transformed that young athletes program into an at-home program. And we're actually working on an app currently. You might know about our, uh, our work also because it's a tremendous bridge for children and families who are awaiting individual therapies as well. Moving beyond that's our health and schools work. You might've heard of our Unified Champion Schools work a couple of years ago with, um, uh, which, which was threatened um, by Betsy DeVos. We're in over 100,000 schools teaching inclusion and social emotional skills with proven results that show that our schools that are Unified Champion Schools have lower bullying rates, better graduation rates for children with and without disabilities. But did you know that that's also where our health programs are, promoting health and fitness and healthy lifestyle. And going beyond school, our adult programs for fitness, we know, and you all know, the tremendous health disparities. Over 50% of our athletes have high blood pressure. Over 30% are obese. But after two months of our fitness program, 17% of the athletes with high blood pressure reduced to normal in our trials. This past year, during COVID, we went from 100,000 athletes with our, within our fitness programming to over 400,000 in, in areas across the world. When they couldn't do their sports in person, they turned to our fitness, and we expect them not ever to stop. We're doing this online virtually as well as in person. Finally, in addition to that prevention work, we also do health promotion in physical activity, nutrition, wash, which is water, clean, clean water, sanitation, hygiene, exactly what we need during COVID, social emotional health through our Strong Minds Initiative, and making sure that our athletes are getting the preventive health screenings that they need. So moving on to our health screenings, which is our second area of work, we are probably best known for those health screenings, one of which is, this, is the Special Smiles Program, which uh, Alan's going to be talking about in just a moment. Um, we have head-to-toe screenings in eight different disciplines. We have actually 
have over done over 2 million health screenings in the past two decades. During that time, we know there, that we've been collecting data and we know that over 20% of our athletes fail a hearing screen. We not only do those hearing screens, but we provide hearing aids. Our vision and eye care screenings have shown that almost three in 10 athletes don't have prescription glasses that they need. And we provide those glasses. We also partner with Lions Clubs to provide surgeries. We do this up and down the body systems um, from head to toe, all the way down to podiatry, general medical. You heard about uh, our, our blood pressure, um, our social emotional health. Um, these screenings are actually the largest data set on the health of people with intellectual disabilities. And these screenings also serve to train almost 300,000 healthcare professionals globally. We also work on training through our inclusion of IDD curricula in, in universities. And we are working with over 150 universities, universities globally to get IDD into health curricula in health professional schools around the world. We are also working on health systems reform and transformation. Um, this includes access to care through the WHO's Universal Healthcare UHC initiative. Um, and it includes working with quality of care, working with to, to transform health systems. And just one example of that is our Healthy Communities Jordan. Um, we were able to work in Jordan to get the entire population of Jordan had no health services, had no health insurance for people with IDD. Through our Healthy Communities Advocacy, now the entire population of Jordan of people with IDD have health insurance. That's over 100,000 people. Just this last summer in Chile, in our Healthy Communities Chile, there was a devastating loss of one of our athletes young man with Down syndrome who got COVID. He was denied ICU care in Chile because of COVID. His mother was working in our Healthy Communities Program and took her anger to action. And through our work now in Chile, we were able to change the regulations so that you cannot be discriminated against. You cannot be denied an ICU care if you're a person with IDD. We've similarly been working towards that all around the world. Um, those kinds of partnerships, those kinds of health systems transformations uh, in many, many countries around the world. And I'll be sharing some of that work uh, with, our, with our COVID work, uh, both in the U.S. and around the world uh, with you in a moment. Um, since... COVID is the biggest issue for our athletes. We know that people with ID are being left behind and we are working towards what is probably the most, probably undoubtedly the most pressing issue of injustice that we need to have the courage to address now. We and our partners have been advocating with CDC and the WHO and highlighting the data that you all know that you heard about yesterday a much higher likelihood of dying of COVID if you are a person with ID and clearly not solely due to other chronic conditions and not solely due to your residential placement. 
but, but exacerbated by both of those conditions. So what have we been doing? When COVID was called an act, a pandemic, immediately we had a response and that's been rapid and sustained. We had educational resources available around the world for athletes and people with ID within 48 hours. And since then, we've hosted over 4,000 online health and fitness classes for over 400,000 athletes, um, over 60,000 of which as of December were ongoing in the US. Our athletes are taking the lead in this education as they always do through our athlete leadership program, including teaching other athletes. And in our advocacy, they've been speaking with elected officials to share their stories and the importance of prioritizing people with ID. We're working towards provision of inclusive access through working with our partners to hold vaccination events in states and countries and through training our providers. Remember, not just providing prioritization through policy, that's not gonna work. We actually need to get down to access and for a person with ID to one, be able to even get on the computer at 4 a.m. to be able to get the appointment, then to be able to get to an appointment when you don't necessarily have a car, and then to be able to actually have um, an ID card. A person with IDD needs an ID card many times, an identification card to get an appointment, which they don't necessarily have. And then when they get there, to many of those who are giving the vaccine, for example, have never had training on working with people with ID. And now they have to give them a jab in the arm. And this is where we're working and this is where you can help. If you are a provider, use our educational materials for people with ID. They're designed to be plain language and to address the questions that our athletes have regarding vaccines. In a global survey of over 6,000 athletes that finished just March 8th, two weeks ago, um, globally, Good news, 11% of our athletes had been vaccinated, 20% in the U.S. There's still a long way to go. 65% were saying that they wanted to get vaccinated, and 15% would be, were maybes. That will get us almost to herd immunity. And what were they most concerned about? They were most concerned about safety, side effects, and many simply said they just didn't have enough information from trusted sources. So use our resources. Our materials are free. They're available at specialolympics.com. Our athletes can also talk to other people with IDD. And we know from that survey, 75% of our athletes were more isolated and alone. But if they were in contact with our programs, they were less isolated, significantly less isolated. And they were using... COVID prevention techniques more. The combination of hand washing, distancing, and mask wearing. About, two, 20, uh, about two-thirds of our athletes are doing that. When they're in contact with our programs, they're more likely to do that. So here's my call to all of you. Use our materials. Join our movement. But if you're an athlete, join us in our campaign. In the in the absence, in the unfortunate absence of a national prioritization of people with, with IDD for vaccines, 
we're working at the state level. So go onto our website, use our voter voice campaign and get in touch with your elected officials to tell them we need prioritization. On our state map, 25 states still haven't prioritized people with ID for the vaccine. What happens on May 1st when everyone and their uncle is eligible to get vaccinated? We need to be able to get not only the, the advocacy, but also the access. So that's where we're working to try to get Special Olympics events. Anybody can join these as an athlete, as a person with IDD. Um, you, any, uh, any people with IDD can join, um, work with us to get educated, to get our partners, to get athletes and people with IDD access to the vaccine. Um, and if you're a provider, do one, two steps more. Use our materials, yes, but do two more things. One, consider referring to Special Olympic services. We have our early intervention, as I mentioned, our fitness ongoing in, in home and uh, in person. Our screenings, you're going to hear about how our screenings have moved not only they're continuing in person when we can and where we can safely, they will be going forward, but you're also going to hear from Alan about how we're moving using technology to expand to, to telehealth and being able to do that not only in person, but also reach further more athletes, more people with IDD um, through those telehealth screenings. Our training, um, get our training and our health systems change. So come join, join up for yourself in our healthy communities work. Um, I can't tell you how excited I am to be able to tell you about this. Um, our educational resources, you can find all of that, all that I've talked about on specialolympics.org. Um, and what you can see is as we are making Special Olympics healthy communities Successful, I'll just highlight engaging stakeholders, engaging yourselves, and having the courage to, to, the courage to be brave, to stand with our athletes. And even if we don't win, to never give up trying. So with that, um, I believe I am on time and we'll pass to you and look forward to any questions that you have. All right. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Dr. Bazzano. Um, you know, uh, health is so important, but Special Olympics, when we first started, was most about, uh, most about uh, activity and about being uh, celebrating the ableness and uh, what we can do, what we can't do. And the long story about it was that it was a, 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 all of a sudden a, a, a lights coming on to uh, uh to uh, Eunice Kennedy Shriver when his uh, when her sister had, had issues with dental problems, and that kind of spawned on health. And uh, uh, having met her, it was really insp inspirational to me. So the Special Smiles program has been one of those screening tools that we've been using, as Dr. Bazzano had mentioned. We have done screenings for hundreds of thousands of athletes, and we have found one thing that's very common: that it's it, everywhere in the world, it's not it's not good, and especially for our population, our population. And this pandemic sort of shut us down. And uh, Alicia had asked all the um, disciplines to sort of do something that we can do for our athletes and make them healthier. Let's look into uh, uh, telehealth, let's look into telemedicine. 
And uh, so a special smiles program, dental related, said, well, we have limitations due to legal things that we have to do with, but what can we do? So I'm going to introduce with you uh, what we did with our special smiles on-site program and transformed it to something virtual, which actually turned out to be something of a good thing. So we're here to make uh, uh, lemonade out of lemons. Uh, Special Smiles uh, loves to work with other partner organizations. And one of the partner organizations I have, I'm going to disclaim, is I'm the president of the American Academy of Developmental Medicine and Dentistry. And we sort of harness our strengths together to make our programs function well and do well. So my goal is uh, to tell you a little bit about uh, our Special Smiles program, the screening tool that we've developed through this, how we're using it as a training uh, avenue instead of uh, something that we're shutting down, we're really opening up to other people and embracing the fact that this gives us an opportunity to educate new providers, new practitioners in medical, dental, and other healthcare schools. So this gives us a different opportunity. So we take the pandemic and its challenges and we create something positive using as much uh, of the power of teledentistry that we can and, uh, and this is where we're going to go. So we started out taking what was done originally as a CDC uh, collaborative uh, uh, dental screening tool. And we said, what can we use this tool and how can we uh, retool it for something visual? So we, uh, we created something that was meant to include more people even than ever before. Uh, the athletes, other dentists, clinical directors, dental students, dental residents, hygienists, hygienist students, dental assistants, dental assistant students, physicians, medical students, corporate sponsors, and it was like a party. This is the dance. So we bring everyone to this dance, and then we dance, and we invite everyone to dance. And the beauty of this is we are not uh, have a barrier of masks in front of us when we interact with, with our athletes. So in our studies of everything, we always know that athletes don't know what they don't know. Most of us are unaware of a lot of the conditions that are in the oral condi- uh, oral uh, cavity. And, uh, you know, not only in the U.S., but all across the nations, we understand there's something that is sort of universal. 47% have gum problems. 25% have untreated tooth decay. 9% have urgent dental referral needs. 12% have mouth pains. And so we know this, but what our goal is to transform something to make the athlete more self-aware, self-disciplined, uh, and um, be able to be self-determined. And we do it through questions. So I'm just going to show you a few questions. And so we do a question, we do a poll, we get a response, and then we talk about the response. And it tells us where we are. It takes a pulse of where we are in terms of what the what the uh, athlete knows. And after they ask the que- answer the question, we give a little fact. In this case, we ask, have you ever had trouble finding oral health care or finding a dentist? And then we give them fact is at Special Olympics, we're trying to help those needing oral care to receive care, especially if there's pain, swelling, or bleeding when you brush your teeth. Let us know how we can help. So we're just sort of educating the athlete in terms of put in your mind, if something's not right, go seek help. Another question is, do you take medicine for any of the following? Blood pressure, seizures, allergies, constipation, mood, or asthma? They answer yes, no, not sure. And then uh, the poll poll results come out and we talk to them about, well, medications can cause side effects to make your mouth feel more dry or cause upset stomach. If you answer yes, you may need to be seen more often at the dentist or oral health team to check for any changes in your mouth. All the medications that were mentioned previously 
all those dry out the mouth and they change the saliva function as well as qual quality and quantity. And that increases the dental caries risk. So for all of you who are prescribing all these stabilizing medications, know that and then make sure the patient is aware of that. Question 19, are you experiencing the following? Check all that apply. A, people tell me I snore loudly. B, I breathe loudly. C, I am sleepy throughout the day. D, I often find it difficult to concentrate. E, not sure. And F, none. The, the athlete answers the question, a poll comes up, and then we talk about what we uh, a little fact. These could be early signs of sleep apnea. Sleep apnea can contribute to high blood pressure, diabetes, strokes, non-restful sleep, obesity, stress. If you experience the, any of these, you may need to be seen by your physician to evaluate. So we're, we're not only kind of talking about teeth, we're talking about overall health and the systemic oral connections. So make, making them aware of something by asking questions, and then we chat about it as well. At the very end of the whole poll of 30 questions, we break out into smaller groups that are facilitated by uh, medical students, dental students, uh, clinic directors, and all the different types of people. And they have a smaller little dance where they can talk about issues a little bit more in depth. Question 22 is, do you experience pain in your mouth, especially during or after eating? Yes, no, not sure. And then the answer is done and a fact is brought up. Pain can be a sign that something is wrong. We want to make sure you are free of pain and able to chew, eat, swallow, breathe, and sleep without difficulty. And so bottom line is through those 30 questions, the advantages are it's adaptable. We can do from one person, we can do hundreds of people as much as Zoom can handle. It's a self-advocacy for the patient, self-determined because now all of a sudden they decide, yes, I wanna get treated or yes, I, I don't it's their choice. But to increase access to the minds of the new practitioners is really kind of important because when you when you touch the hearts of people, you change their minds. And then hopefully they will remember, especially our students and our residents, that they are part of uh, the solution of the problem of access to care. And more importantly, it's fun. It's kind of fun. When you see them interact with each other, there's a lot of fun. And then this, the athletes, uh, we have little break sessions and the athletes lead us into a stretch exercise. Uh, some of the disadvantages are technology. Uh, you need either a laptop or iPad or some kind of technology. We are aware that a lot of people are uh, do not have the technology and that concerns us. So we are working on a, uh, something that I'm gonna tell you in just a little bit, which is a format that is uh, uh, on a, a smartphone. And uh, we'll talk about that in just a second. But other disadvantages, Wi-Fi strength, some orientation for facilitators, uh, breakout rooms need to be coordinated, and the use of poll is a slight challenge when, when you first use it, but it's very useful once you get going to it. So the answer to the question about technology, if everyone doesn't have a laptop or a desktop to use from, is a cell phone. So uh, Dr. Rina Kumar uh, has helped us to uh, bring up what's called Agacia. The website is agacia.co, if in case you want to look at it, but it's a learning platform. It's easy to use and it continues um, where um, it, it, uh, the program continues where it left off. In other words, once you log back on, you log back on exactly where you were. Uh, there are meeting rooms for these where you can help, uh, hold endless meeting room chats. 
and uh, times of opportunities to talk more in detail about dentistry. It's free to download. There's an app on the phone. Uh, Dr. Kumar has made a geisha free to everyone who's using Special Olympics uh, material. So it looks just like the format I said before, except you'll see the poll uh, immediately after someone's asked a question. So it would go something like this. You'd answer the questions on the left. On the right-hand side, you'd see the results. And then you can talk about that as a group. So it's a learning time for, for everyone, uh, uh, not only for the athlete, but the care provider, uh, the coach, the parents, anyone who's as associated. So this is elevating health, not just for an athlete, but for everyone. So these are things that we're that are kind of fun to watch. And some of the some of the survey says it makes you think. And the idea of education is to make you think and make you learn and grow and hopefully share with others. So that's what we're doing. Kansas City did a great job because the poll answers are, are crossed over to an Excel spreadsheet. They're able to sort of uh, have a little report, if you will, to find out where we know and what we don't know. Areas that we need to teach more, areas where we don't. And uh, what's really kind of compelling is that the information you're getting is all over the board. But uh, we're, we're looking forward to more, more, more information as time goes on. So uh, uh, uniquely and interestingly, the athletes are healthier than the non-athletes on this side um, of the coaches and the other providers. It was kind of interesting. So everyone can participate. Everyone can dance. But uh, what's important is everyone learns and everyone learns differently. And we respect that. So that is what we do so far. Now, on on a more personal note, and I got one more minute, I can, can take this up, is vaccination, as uh, Alicia had said, was so important. Uh, let me tell you, um, I, I recovered. I, I had COVID last year. I was in ICU for four weeks. I couldn't breathe. I was almost ventilated twice, almost third time. I wasn't. I, I resisted because knowledge is power. I was reading up a lot before, before I got sick. And... Uh, the very first day that I was in ICU with all the tubes or the IVs that were on me, all the, all the checking of my blood, all the taking of my blood, um, uh, all, all the insulin that they had to give me and everything because they created this uh, situation with all the uh, steroids. I said to myself, how can my friends with IDD have ever tolerated something like this? And it is very uh, emotionally tough it's very uh, physically tough, and we just need to make sure we can make a safer environment for our friends. So uh, to that end, we're going to start our first mass vaccination for IDD populations tomorrow, Saturday, and we still have some available slots for them. And uh, the website's right there in front of you. And I just like to say we like to collaborate. I appreciate Golden Gate Regional Center, Special Olympics Northern California, uh, San Francisco Dental uh, uh, Department of Public Health and Mayor's Office of Disability, ARC, Henry Shine Cares, and all other organizations have been passing this along. But I intend to help keep us as safe as possible. We're going to hopefully continue to do these, make it a model so that other places can do this as well, hopefully in other Special Olympic areas as well. So I appreciate the time. I'm going to turn it back over to you. And again, thank you, Jerry and uh, Lucy, for, for a wonderful conference. And these speakers you have are tremendous. You've been listening to a podcast by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at uctv.tv.